Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, I have a guest that you guys have met before, the outstanding Dr. Chris Derienzo. He's a chief medical officer at Cardinal Analytics. As the chief medical officer there, he leads the company's clinical enterprise, helping connect world-class data science to better care sooner for patients, employees, and plan members across the nation. He's been recognized by Modern Healthcare in 2018 as one of 15 up-and-comers under 40 and Becker's as one of healthcare's rising stars. Chris has published and presented internationally on leveraging analytics to drive continuous improvement, implementing data science in healthcare, and the intersection of humanity and technology. He's also the author of Tiny Medicine, One Doctor's Biggest Lessons from His Smallest Patients. Prior to joining Cardinal, he served as, and, and one thing that I, that I do want to um, clarify here, Cardinal, not Cardinal Health, it is Cardinal Analytics. Prior to that, he served as Chief Quality Officer for Mission Health, which if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to that interview, type in Mission Health in the search bar at outcomesrocket.health. You'll, you'll hear that amazing interview where we talked about value-based care, among other things. Mission Health is a $2 billion integrated delivery system in Asheville, North Carolina. There, he practiced both pediatrics and neonatology. He completed his MD and master's in public policy and postgraduate medical training at Duke University. He is still a practicing neonatologist in the Mission Children's NICU follow-up clinic and volunteers as a member of the Mercy Health Board Quality Committee and the YMCA Blue Ridge Assembly Board of Directors. Nationally, Darienzo was the fourth medical student elected and re-elected to serve on the AMA Board of Trustees and appointed by the North Carolina Secretary of Health and Human Services in 2018 to serve on the Medical Care Advisory Committee. So as you all can see and hear, Chris is very involved clinically as well as in business now, and I'm really excited to dive in to his new track at Cardinal Analytics and hear the latest in his thoughts and work. So Chris, uh, just want to extend a very warm welcome to you. As always, Saul, thank you for uh, for such an incredible introduction. It's a pleasure to be back on your show. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And now you're on the industry side. So just to kick it off, uh, I'd like to hear why you, you took the switch and how things are going. You got it. So I, I had a tremendous team uh, at Mission and really enjoyed my role. In the role I served there uh, most recently, I covered uh, quality, patient safety, patient experience, uh, pop health, and analytics. And one of the things I was most excited about were the things that we were beginning to do at Mission that crossed the intersection there of uh, population health, so our value-based care and our risk-based contracting, uh, that we covered a little bit in our last time on the podcast, and some of the real emerging data science trends and specifically in machine learning. Uh, Within the mission team, I was fortunate to work with a couple of really bright data scientists, and they were beginning to show what we could do to drive pop health outcomes uh, by leveraging newer technologies that are AI-enabled. And so several months ago, I got a tap on the shoulder from the folks at Cardinal uh, who said, hey, you know, this, if this is really something you're passionate about, why don't you consider joining us and getting to do that, not just for the million people of Western North Carolina, but for you know, 350 million people nationwide. And so that's really what, what sparked the interest. And uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Cardinal team and, and what we do. And I think once you hear that, the, uh, the switch will become clear. No, that's really, really great, Chris. And, you know, I applaud you for the switch. It's not easy to go from, you know, a provider working as a caregiver to industry but you saw the bigger picture, so to speak, and, and I applaud you for that. So Chris, what would you say now that you're working on the work that you're working is a hot topic that needs to be on health leaders agenda and how is your organization, Cardinal Analytics, tackling it? Yeah, that's a, as always, solid, a great question. I think one of the major challenges facing healthcare as an industry today is grappling with this intersection of technology and humanity. And especially as uh, our data science development pathways offer new AI-enabled tools, I think it'll be really important for us to ensure that we're pointing those tools at the right things, so you know, defining the right core purpose, and then ensuring that as we implement those tools, what we, we do with them is really driving a better care for patients, better outcomes, and truly better workflows for our clinicians. And so when I think about do we really know today what the ideal state of an AI-enabled health plan or an AI-enabled population health manager looks like? I think that is a challenge that the industry is really going to grapple with. Yeah, this is, it's a great point, Chris. And so as we think about some examples, maybe something that you've done early on with Cardinal Analytics, maybe you could share with us something that you guys have used AI for to improve the way that things happen, outcomes, and business processes. It'd be good to sure. hear that from you. So Cardinal really is an AI-first company. Uh, the company was born out of Stanford's incubator about four years ago when Dr. Arnie Milstein, who's a, a famous professor from Stanford, uh, has been working in the public health space for decades, uh, noted that when you look at folks within a population who become high cost each year, about 60% of them are totally new. So about half of people who are, are high cost and therefore high acuity patients uh, drop out to revert to the mean each year. And he asked the question of one of his, uh, his partners there at Stanford, hey, is this something we could predict? And so Dr. Nigam Shah, who's one of the, the country's machine learning experts, said, you know, I bet we can. So four years ago, they trained a model on the international data set and sure enough, approved that we could predict who are going to bloom in cost next year. So you move from the bottom, you know, 90% into that top decile in cost. So that was sort of the nidus of the company's genesis. Now, four years later, with many, many iterations, uh, there are 21 million lives spending seven years with a claims history that have been uh, ingested into kind of the machine led by Brian Maples, who was the company's first hire as our chief data scientist. The way that Cardinal is using machine learning is pointing a massively powerful engine at driving better care sooner uh, for, as we noted, patients, health plan members, and employees nationwide. And when you think all about what is the power of machine learning, what can we do? Uh, the biggest utilizations of AI-enabled software today have really been using massive labeled data sets to dramatically improve workflows and sort of match kind of right place, right time, right thing. Like you've got AI in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Anytime AI uh, powers Siri to tell you what she thinks you're going to want to say next, or if you're you know, identifying pictures on anywhere on the internet, that is the power of machine learning using a labeled data set. And within healthcare, we have tons of labeled data sets, but we just haven't put them to use in ways that could improve patient outcomes. And that is exactly what we're doing here at Cardinal. 
Well, it's fascinating, Chris. And, you know, I think a lot of folks take a look at this topic of AI and healthcare and, and in particular, the, the predictive models and, and stripping away variability to improve outcomes. So the, the thought goes into what data are you pulling and how are you pulling it? Where are you pulling it from? to get these analytics? Because if you could prevent these high cost patients from having these continual issues, how do you do it? So that's exactly right. Today, we predominantly use a combination of medical claims, prescription drug claims, lab results, and then other data that that different clients may have access to. So perhaps socioeconomic data or other sources. And with each new client, we we learn about interesting new data sets. And the the idea fall is if we can look at multiple years worth of claims history and then say, okay, there's a high likelihood that Chris, 38-year-old male, with these various conditions, who's had these kinds of encounters, lives in in this area, he has a really high probability of blooming next year, Mm -hmm. moving from low cost now to high cost. The question then is, okay, is there anything we can do to prevent that? And the answer is yes, that sometimes that bloom in cost is driven by someone who's heading down a surgical pathway. And perhaps they have not gone through the right process to see if that surgery is really needed. Or if it is needed, have they really connected with the provider in their space who's going to be both the the highest quality and and most cost-effective? Or perhaps it's someone who's kind of fallen through the cracks of of today's healthcare delivery system. Maybe they don't have solid primary care. They've connected with a couple of specialists or they're in the ED for these ambulatory care-sensitive conditions. And really what they need is better care coordination. So we've got a ton of examples now of folks uh, for one of our clients who we've caught kind of in this state and through some, some pretty basic sort of simple uh, care management interventions, we've been able to connect them into the right pathways, sort of captured them from falling off the cliff, and then both improved their health outcome as well as reduced uh, cost for, uh, for the health plan. I think that's brilliant. And are you guys mainly working with insurance plans, providers, a little bit of both, a combination yeah, our, of the two? Our approach is really relevant to anyone who is is in the role of managing a population's health and cost. Uh-huh. And so you can imagine health plans have been sort of the folks most attracted initially to the different yeah. offerings that we have uh, since they've been in that space for a long time. Uh, we are working with a, uh, a large uh, integrated plan provider, and there'll be a, a public announcement on that in the, the very near future. And then the employer space, employers who are large enough to really be able to think holistically about the health of their workforce, those are folks who've had work with us as well. Fascinating. Yeah, because at the end of the day, folks, we really have to look at this from the perspective of the payer and the and the population level, the impact that these things are are these these technologies that Chris Dr. DeRienzo and his team are using are definitely making a difference for outcomes and cost, two of the things that need to be solved for. So as you all have been working on this, Chris, uh, what would you say a setback or, or a lesson that you guys learned along the process of the programs you've been implementing? Yeah, I think that anytime in healthcare, we try to integrate new technology into workflows there's going to be challenges with implementation. I remember the very first time I tried to bring machine learning into a a program admission, it was an objectively better model. 
way better predictive capacity than the tool that the team was using previously. But that took several months to really be able to integrate into the workflow in a way that the team could now use. And so I think as we've worked with early clients, it's clear that there are definitely a new universe of opportunities that AI-enabled technologies are offering. And so we've become very focused on helping ensure that that we're connecting with a health plan or a provider or an employer's different lever arms so that we maximally support the humans who are at the other end of connecting those predictions to action. And that really is where our focus as a company is, is yes, the different machine learning models can predict off cost. And what that cost really means, though, is a person's life who's getting sicker which is leading them to need to engage in more high-cost care. And so if we can prevent a person from getting sicker, then it's the person who's gotten better care sooner. As a result, they're experiencing lower healthcare costs, and that leads to a, a more sustainable healthcare model overall. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So now that you guys have been cranking, so Cardinal Analytics has been in business for how long again, Chris? Five years? Four years. Four yeah. years. We spun out of Stanford Stardex. Four years ago, like I said, the, the first hire was a really bright data scientist. We're now, I lose track depending on the day. We're at either 25 <laughs> or 26 employees, but scaling nice. rapidly, bringing on almost one new person every week to really keep pace with the, the market demand that we're seeing. Amazing. Amazing. And so now you guys have scaled to a larger size. You're continuing to grow. In the history of the work that you guys have done, what's one of the proudest moments? That's a really good question. You know, and when I think about what we can do at a population level, it's really impressive. The delta that we can demonstrate across multi-million lives within a, a population is dramatic. But I think some of the proudest moments that I've had are when we get down to these individual patient stories, because that makes it real. You know, I've thought about population health as a health system executive. I've thought about it as a doctor. And Working on big populations is rewarding given the end that you can impact, but I think drawing that back to individual people is also really important. So I, I remember working through this one story. It was a woman in her uh, 50s, I think. Uh, she had significant cardiac risk. She was a tobacco user. She had some underlying behavioral health challenges, a number of, of pain issues, and was on multiple opiates. She had engaged in something like 20 plus different outpatient visits and had a year one cost that was significant. I think it was over $11,000. And so as a, as a partner, we predicted, hey, this is someone who looks like she's going to bloom in year two and said the three drivers that we're seeing of that are this cardiac combined with tobacco risk and then behavioral health combined with this pain plus opiates. And then you know, this is a, a person solve who would never have hit a plan's you know, high cost claim world or a provider's you know, high needs population set. She was not totally well, but she was not so sick that she would have gotten kind of the high touch bespoke care management. Mm -hmm. But we found her and the plan's care management side engaged and they linked her, again, to sort of not brain surgery sort of things. They found really high quality behavioral health counseling for her. They found her a tobacco cessation program that worked. And she's now most of the way through her year to less than 50% of the cost, less than 50% utilization in terms of outpatient visits. But more importantly, she now has continued 
you know, pain and uh, diagnosis of depression, but is not on opiates. So she's gotten off of these highly addictive and highly expensive medications. And despite her existing cardiac risk, she's now no longer using tobacco. So she's markedly improved her future risk profile. When I have seen a a person like that, Mm -hmm. and I know that but for our partnership with that client, she would very likely have continued to fall through the cracks. That makes me really proud of, of what we get to do. Yeah, that's really big, Chris. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is as more physicians like yourself join industry to help make things better, I see the dots being connected in a way that really will will help us continue to improve the care pathways and the overall results. I mean, you mentioned something really, really important is that, yeah, you know what, as we take cost out of the system, we're actually improving lives. So as the dollars that we spend go down, health goes up. It's inversely related. And we need more folks like you, Dr. Darienzo, in the business. I appreciate that, Saul. One of the things I like most about my new job is I get the clinical side. And I can work on that all day. I have no clue how to program in Python or in R. Um, I get to work with these ridiculously brilliant people who when we describe a problem, they say, I know how to model that. And then you know, they go to work on their, their you know, giant MacBooks, whatever. And then sometime later, they come out and they say, look, here's what we're now able to do with this prediction. And then I get to say, well, here's what we can do with that to change someone's life. So I think as a doctor on the health system side, the folks who worked in industry who I was most excited to partner with, you really got the problems that we were trying to solve and were there as partners to help us solve them. And there are many ways, I think, to be able to do that in a a revenue sustainable manner and ultimately drive total costs down, just in part because of the way that today with limited resources, we're not focusing on folks, I, I think, who can sometimes most benefit from engagement. You know, finding someone like this this woman, and I've got tons of examples like her, who are are about to deflect. You know, they're about to fall off off that cliff. Their health is about to get worse. Their cost is going to rise dramatically. If we can keep that from happening over and over and over and over again, think about the deflection in the overall health of the country to the positive and the total cost to the, the negative. So if that's not something as a doctor I could get excited about, then I, I'm not sure why I went into medicine in the first place. <laughs> Love it, Chris. And you know, one of the things that, that uh, just kind of a side note, I've had the privilege of, of speaking with several other successful physicians like yourself that, that have taken a turn in the industry. And I noticed really kind of two, two characteristics. One is a strong passion and desire to help. And then the second thing is the desire to scale beyond what you could do on your own or at an institution. Mm-hmm. And joining industry definitely helps provide that scalability because like you said, right, going from 2 million patients to 350 million potentially. It's a big thing and I congratulate you for that. What would you say is an exciting project you're working on? One of the most exciting things about working at a a company at this stage is the speed of growth and the the pace in which we can drive change. And so the the three offerings that we have out there right now on cost bloom, on kind of matching uh, folks who have preference sensitive conditions with bright spots providers using Arnie's research's language, and then on risk assessment adjustment, those are kind of the three things we get to do today. But working with Brian and the data science team means that by the end of the year, 
even by the end of the quarter, there'll be entirely new things that we're getting to bring to market. And so some of the most exciting work kind of in our, our skunk works, I can't really talk about yet. But if you keep an eye on Cardinal over the course of the year, I think you'll see some really exciting connections that, that we'll be able to make that, that I've not yet been able to see made in the market. Fascinating. So do you get people confusing you with Cardinal Health a lot or no? Is it pretty clear? <laughs> you know, I think the spelling of our name kind of helps helps distinguish that the Cardinal Analytics with the X, and the fact that Cardinal Health, yeah, they're a they're a big, you know, significant industry player, but they're I think been historically more on a, a different side of the road. There. That's true. Yeah, yeah, very very different. But it's worth distinguishing here for the listeners, right? I mean, these guys are innovating in a big way using AI and data science to help population health decrease costs, improve outcomes, while on the other side, it's distribution, pharma, <laughs> very different uh, as to, to Dr. Darienzo's point. So here, we've gotten to the lightning round. So I got a couple questions for you, Chris, followed by a book, obviously, aside from your book, which is Tiny Medicine, One Doctor's Biggest Lesson from His Smallest Patients, a recommendation that you'd make there. And listeners, just a note, if you go to the show notes, you'll be able to find a link to Dr. Chris Darienzo's book, as well as our entire transcript and short notes. Just go to outcomesrocket.health and in the search bar, type in Cardinal Analytics with an X and you'll find it there. But Chris, are you ready for the lightning round? Hey, I've gone through this once before. I'm now well prepared this time, Paul. You're a veteran. <laughs> All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? You know, I, I answered this once for you already, and I'll answer it the same way, to continuously get better. The best way to improve healthcare outcomes is focus on always getting better. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think that sometimes folks see a new technology or a new approach and either out of fear or out of fear of the unknown or fear of change uh, can initially be challenged by that. And that's a normal human instinct uh, and totally understandable. But I, I think it would be a mistake to fall victim to only feeling that fear without offering yourself the opportunity to see what different might look like. Because any of the, the major transformational changes in healthcare or in any industry have really needed someone to take that next step and say, I really can envision a future that is both different and better. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? A constant change is what keeps us relevant. I think that in a world that is, is exceptionally dynamic in healthcare, it's not just about being on trend, but about continuing to focus every day on what tools do I need? How do I need to equip my teams to be better tomorrow than they are today? What's an area of focus that drives everything in your work there at Cardinal? At Cardinal, that's a simple answer. It's better care sooner, which means that we get to serve people. So plan members, patients, employees all across the nation, and we get to serve the people who are trying to support them. So the, the care managers, the care coordinators, folks in doctor's offices, in employee health you know, locations, they are doing their very best to try to serve their people. And as a result, we get to serve them. So, Chris, since last time we were together, I started asking two new ones. These are more right. <laughs> surprise <laughs> for the listeners to get to know the guests a little bit better. So, on a personal note, what is your number one health habit? I'm a bit of a movement junkie. So okay, I, tell me more. I'm good friends with Eric, Eric Langshire and Nate Klemp. They're the authors of Start Here, uh, which oh. is a book, was a New York Times bestseller a few years ago uh, that drove 
the beginning of a company called LifeXT, and I've done I've done some work with them over time. I really believe in their mission, and within their construct, they've got sort of these nine these nine different components of of driving personal well-being. Uh, so meditation, there's there's a core group on that. Gratitude is one there. For me, I find that movement every day uh, really helps keep me grounded. And so I'm I'm a triathlete. I took that up when running boxed my knees, and I've realized that if I woman bike and ran and then I could do all three without being injured all the time so I uh, I got to make sure I get movement every day love it love it Chris and what is your number one success habit my number one success habit oh gosh I'm not sure how to answer that one but it reminds me of a passage from Colin Powell's book uh-huh. um, one of my favorite books it worked for me and he was talking about how he came home one day in his brand spanking new general dress uniform looking all spiffy and he walked into his house and one of his kids looked at him and said mom gi joe is home <laughs> and and then his point obviously was having family who keeps you grounded is a wonderful gift then i think mm-hmm. for me I, w- I would say the same thing that you know i'm fortunate to have three great kids and i'm married to a wonderful woman and i think much of my ability to succeed professionally is how rewarding my my life is personally that's awesome chris thanks for sharing that and uh, yeah, it's a good reminder to all of us, you know, the, the why of what we do, remember it, keep it front and center. And so obviously you wrote a book. So aside from Tiny Medicine, which book would you recommend to the listeners? Yeah, I, uh, I certainly would, would recommend that one. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> coming out uh, June 11. By the time your podcast is, is up, uh, Amazon pre-orders should be live. But a, a book that I read recently that I, I really enjoyed uh, was Educated by Tara Westover. I read it on a recommendation from Troy, who's one of the CVS executives. And man, it, it was a really powerful message. My wife and I actually got to read it together, which is rare. Uh, she likes to read books in uh, in hardback form. And I, I do most of my reading via Audible on planes and, and sort Me too. of traveling all around the world. So we, we sort of contemporaneously read it together and just, it was a, a really powerful, a really powerful story. Great recommendation, Chris. Uh, definitely put that one on your list, listeners. And again, a reminder to go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar, type in Cardinal Analytics with an X, and uh, you'll be able to find our conversation and links to Dr. Darienzo's recommendations there. Before we conclude, Chris, I'd love if you could just share a parting message with the listeners and then the best place where they could learn more about you and what you're doing. You bet. So as always, Saul, I'm really appreciative of folks like you who are willing to bring members from all across healthcare, folks on the provider side, in industry, in plans, and employers. Really what I find is you bring together folks who are pushing the edge and really trying to drive change. And healthcare is an industry that is ripe for a disruption in a number of ways. And I think that in reflecting on both of the times I've gotten to join you, kind of one of the core messages to me, I think, is if as a doctor, clinicians are constantly focusing on not only how do I I treat the patient in front of me today, but how do I make this system better to treat patients, including me, all across the country, better and better and better and better, then it'll lead to the kind of change that we need in healthcare. The industries that reach our size have gotten disrupted effectively every century since the founding of our nation. And since disruption is coming to our our work in healthcare, it gives me a great degree of comfort that folks like the people you have on your podcast are, are helping drive it, because I think that means we'll be pointing it in the right direction. 
to get in touch with me, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Our website is also also live. I just Google Cardinal Analytics and you'll see it there. Outstanding, Chris. Listen, this has been a pleasure once again. Super excited with this new turn in your career and, and this exciting company that you've become a part of. And uh, definitely looking forward to staying in touch and maybe a year from now, uh, getting you back on to hear the progress. That sounds great, Saul. I can be your first repeat. <laughs> you would be. You would be. <laughs> I would love the opportunity, Chris. Thanks again. You bet. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.